Ladies and gents, good evening and welcome back. I say good evening, I have no fucking idea what time you're listening to this podcast, but I'm recording it in the evening and so I'm going to say good evening, but hey, it may be morning for you. Anyways, hello, I'm back. A little bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks, but that's purely because, you know, man needs a holiday and it's very difficult to record a podcast and I didn't want to give you a really shitty audio podcast, you know, just to kind of like record it on my phone and then post that. I didn't want to do that, you know, I wanted my proper podcast microphone, I wanted to be in front of my laptop, etc. and I wanted some fucking peace and quiet, so hence why... You guys didn't get a podcast last week, but hell, if you're finding these podcasts in the future, that doesn't fucking matter to you, does it? I've just literally wasted 42 seconds of your life explaining that when you could have been listening to the content of this podcast. And in actual fact, this is quite a poignant podcast because A, it is podcast number 20, and secondly, it is one of a two-parter which is probably a bit weird to say because basically it's going to be one podcast and then another podcast. But they go quite hand in hand and one is going to play off the other's topics. So we're touching on two big and very sensitive topics in my line of work. The first of which in this podcast in particular is going to be binge eating. And then the second podcast, which we're going to cover next week, is going to be in comfort eating. I say next week, in the next podcast, I am endeavouring to speed up the kind of podcast recording a little bit, just to make up for a little bit of lost time. But just in case that doesn't happen, I'm going to say next week, but I may very well surprise you. But yes, two parts. Part one, we're talking binges. Part two, we are talking comfort eating. So yeah. Stay tuned for part two. But tonight, yes, we are talking binges. And fuck me, everybody cringes. Everyone that knows me kind of recoils in horror at this point because they're now thinking, holy shit, how's this going to go? Moisey's going to touch on a topic which is very, very sensitive. And so we could get the fucking Zealot Brigade coming out going, Ooh, you don't know fucking anything, you 32-year-old balding twat. But I do. Because having worked with a lot of people that suffer both with just general, I suppose, lifestyle binges and actual binge eating disorder, then I genuinely think that I'm pretty well versed with knowing about the subject, experiencing the subject, and also, of course, being able to help people manage the subject, which is what we're going to be touching on in this particular podcast. And of course, as always, on the posts that go up on my Facebook and my Instagram, if you have anything to add with regards to the topic of conversation, this is a conversation. Adds your experience, adds your point of view, adds your opinion. You know, just because you are listening to my voice, you're listening to my opinion, does not mean that it is always correct. Doesn't mean that it may not be correct for you. You know, this is my perception, this is my view, etc. And take that basically as my fucking disclaimer to go, don't get your knickers in a twist if it doesn't quite apply to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm back with a bang, a week off. I don't know if it's been a good thing or a bad thing. Anyway, binges. So I like to segregate this into two kind of categories. Now, first of which, obviously, you have binge eating disorder, which is a genuine recognized disorder, which I think is fair to say is more about the mental aspect of the binge as opposed to the physical. Yes, of course, the physical is a large consumption of food, large consumption of calories, but it's more of a loss of control. It's more of a kind of in some cases, out-of-body experience where you're not in control and in some cases is almost not even remembered. You know, you kind of black out for the episode itself. 
And then, of course, you have the general binges, the ones that we talk about. Oh, I had a binge last night, you know, when in actual fact, it's not a true kind of eating disorder binge. It's more of kind of a lifestyle binge potentially brought on by emotional eating, which, again, we'll touch on with comfort eating and emotional eating in the next podcast, but also brought on, you know, life's stresses, etc. could be through dieting, you know, has led to a severe amount of deprivation, which has then led to you kind of binging on a large amount of calories. So it's important before we kind of go any further to set the tone to set the difference between those two things because there is quite a substantial difference and going forwards i'm going to talk quite vaguely between the two because there are elements of how i coach elements of what the people i've worked with which may help you they may not you know i'm not going to say this is a quick fix I'm not going to say that this podcast is a magic pill and congratulations by the time you get to 25 minutes you'll be all good and cured of binge eating but it's important to recognize the behaviors slash disorders, accepting them to a certain degree, and changing our habits, routines, behaviors around that behavior. So now that we've got past the stage of this is what a binge is, let's get a little bit deeper into it. So in any case, be it disorder or be it lifestyle, a binge is a large consumption of calories. Now, be it if your goal is a caloric deficit or your goal is maintenance, whatever, then of course, a large consumption of calories in one go is never going to be optimal, not just because of the physical, you know, large consumption of calories going in, but also the mental ramifications of how it makes you feel. And a lot of people, when they will binge, they will then obviously feel incredibly shit afterwards. You know, particularly if you are on a diet, deficit program, whatever, you will feel shit afterwards. You'll feel like you failed, like you've absolutely fucked it, which in some cases can facilitate even further consumption of food, not just on that day, but potentially the following day because of feelings of self-deprecation, feelings of guilt that can snowball, which then leads you to either binge again or leads the binge to be ongoing, you know. So I think the first thing to clarify is that through working with both the obese, morbidly obese, people that with severe mental kind of, what's the word, disorders, you know, severe kind of mental challenges, I suppose, the best way of putting it, and obviously working with, with people on the opposite end of the spectrum and obviously a variety of people in between. My experience is that a binge is always a bigger thing in your head than it is in reality regardless of how you got to the binge which of course we'll touch on shortly the first thing to recognize with most binges is you haven't fucked it at all most people get locked into you know if, if we talk about what i particularly do with regards you know being mindful of the calories you're consuming being in a calorie deficit etc most people haven't actually fucked it from a calorie surplus perspective for example you have a binge you go oh i fucking ruined it but in actual fact, you've maybe consumed 1,000, 1,500 calories more than your goal, your deficit goal. You know, obviously, the binges I experience with clients that are in calorie deficits. But most of my clients are in a minimum of a 500 calorie deficit. So if you say, for example, that they have consumed, five, you know, let's say, they're in, let's say they've consumed 1,500 calories, right? on top of their calories for that day. So not only have they wiped out their deficit for that day, because they're, you know, let's say they're in a 500 calorie deficit, they've wiped out their deficit for the following two days. But there are seven days in the week. So essentially what the binge has led to them doing 
is they've, yes, of course, they've gone to maintenance calories for three days of the week. They've cancelled out their deficit for the next three days. But there are still four days of the week that they are in a calorie deficit, pending obviously everything goes to plan. And a lot of the time, if we don't take accountability for the binge, we don't jump on our MyFitnessPals and track the calories as best as we're able. And again, this is when you're dealing with kind of more of a lifestyle binge or a binge that you are aware of how much you consumed. Then firstly, the binge is always bigger in magnitude mentally. You'll always feel like you fucked it way more in your own head than you actually have because you just don't know how many calories you've consumed. And in your head, it's double what it actually is. So when I get my clients to go and log everything, I go, look, be accountable. Okay, let's see it. The data is still important. They actually get to their diaries and they go, oh, that's nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. So like I said, in this case, 1,500 calories. You know, on the day it felt like, oh my God, I've gone crazy. You know, let's say their goal calories were 1,500. So their deficit, you know, their maintenance is 2,000 calories. Their goal calories were 1,500 and they consumed 3,000. So 1,500 calories more, double what they basically should have consumed that day. They've only really fucked it for three days, but not fucked it in any way, shape or form. The thought process is I've fucked it. But in actual fact, all you've done is just wipe out your deficit for three days, as mentioned. So in actual fact, there are still four days left of the week where you can make progress. But the problem is, what do most people do when they binge? Very next morning, they jump on the scales or directly after the binge, they jump on the scales. And what does that do? Of course, you're weighing everything you binged on. All of those 1500 calories, all of the water retention associated with it and the shit digestion because let's face it, we don't, we don't often binge on high fiber foods and salad and veg, do we? So you end up with shit digestion leading to water retention, poor digestion. And so you jump on the scales and all of a sudden you're 10 pound fucking heavier and you go, oh my God, I've fucked it. I've gained 10 pounds overnight no now like i said this is not a one-stop shop this is not a fucking fix everything solution but first it's important to recognize the science of what's gone on and the math and like i said that's why taking accountability of going right what did i consume how much let's see what the damage quote unquote is and the thing is with a lot of people thinking daily that's when the I've fucked it mindset comes in. Because like I said, in that particular situation, you've still got four days in a calorie deficit that week, potentially. So progress can still be made. But let's say you go further than that. Let's say it's a, you know, you consume 3000 calories more than your deficit. So you consume 4,500 calories. So effectively, you've wiped out six days of the week. Okay, you've wiped out a week's worth, near as makes no difference, of calorie deficit. Well, <clears throat> regardless of what the scales say, you're still just at maintenance. You haven't entered calorie surplus territory. You're not gaining any body fat. You're purely just balancing the books for that week. Yeah, you're not going to make any progress as far as the deficit goes, but you're not going to go backwards either. You're just at a standstill for that one week. And then sometimes that's okay. Because more often than not, people lose touch with maintenance calories. They spend either so much time in a calorie deficit, you know, adhering or trying to adhere to deficit calories. They spend so much time focused on that that they forget that life is actually quite calorific. Once they achieve their goal, and as long as they continue the level of activity that has been laid out with regards to their steps and their daily movement, they actually have a lot more calories to play with than they realize. 
And because you're so obsessed on that 1500 number or whatever your number ends up being, you forget about the maintenance number. You forget that that is the amount of calories that you can consume without gaining any body fat. In fact, with quite a few clients, I get them to adhere to their maintenance calories quite often in relation to refeeds and diet breaks. Hell, I've even got some clients where their daily calories, despite needing to be in a calorie deficit and wanting to be in a calorie deficit, the pressure of being at deficit calories actually causes more harm than good. So what I get them to do is adhere and have maintenance calories as their MyFitnessPal target, but then their goal is to run under. Now, this doesn't work with everybody, obviously, because some people have that money burning a hole in their pocket kind of mindset, you know, or calories burning a hole in their pocket, as the case may be. But it can sometimes help because they go, right, I've got those calories available if I want to use them, but, you know, I don't want to use them, so it's fine. To give you a prime example, behind my phone case, I always keep 20 quid, okay? If I ever find myself in a situation where I, never, I need 20 quid cash, I've got it there available. But I never use it because I never want to use it, you know? It's just there in case I need it. And that's the mentality with regards to these particular clients. So I will say, first and foremost, if you have any kind of binge, the best thing you can do is be accountable for it. The calories have gone in. And unless you are accountable for that moment, unless you look that moment in the eye, you're never going to fix the problem. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step program, what's the first step? Admit you have a problem. Putting the calories into my fitness power, being accountable for what you consumed, being curious, okay, giving yourself that data, giving yourself that information is the first step to actually recognizing how you can fix the problem going forwards. And most people, when they put it in, go, oh, actually wasn't anywhere near as much as I thought it was going to be. And thus, that automatically removes the guilt, removes the worry, removes the concern, because they then recognize, ah, okay, it wasn't that bad. Plus, because they've been honest, it's not likely to snowball, which is the, I would arguably say, the most dangerous part of a binge, the second day and third day, where it snowballs on because of the guilt. And guilt, well... It's a wasted emotion. What do we learn from guilt? What do we learn from feeling guilty? You know, yes, it can cause us to pay attention to our actions, but guilt needs to immediately lead into review, into reflection, you know, procrastination. Guilt, where we're just sat there feeling guilty, doesn't actually do anything. You know, we've all shouted at our kids when they potentially didn't need that level of discipline, but if we just sit there and feel guilty for it, we're not going to really fix the problem for the future, are we? But if we sit there, feel guilty, and then go, right, okay, I can't do anything about that now, but how can I change it for the future? What can I learn from this moment? That's what makes you a better parent, and that's what makes you more in control of those binges. So what next? Well, I'm going to tell you a story of a wonderful woman that I had the pleasure of coaching for quite some time, who I'm actually back coaching again at the moment. And this particular woman suffered with binges quite heavily. Um, almost fortnightly, she would lose control and binge and consume a large amount of chocolate, large amount of food, and pretty much just anything that was available. It wasn't even segregated to things that she liked. It was a case of whatever was available. And at first, we tried the typical methods of playing around with different foods and kind of different mindset techniques, different caloric levels, etc., to try and fix the problem. And we played around with this for quite a few weeks, quite a few months, in fact. And then one day, we decided to adopt a different approach. And I said to her, instead of running from the binge, instead of us trying to cure the problem, 
why don't we embrace the problem? And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're binging at the moment every two weeks, you know, the frequency. So I said, what about if we factored in a higher calorie day every two weeks? And she was like, well, surely that will slow my progress. And I was like, to a point, but as long as you're adhering before, you know, in between, then in actual fact, it won't slow your progress at all. And of course, we will have this day as optional. I'm going to say to you, you've got every two weeks, you're going to have a higher calorie day. Now, I've done this with other clients as well, where instead of it just being a higher calorie day, which is scheduled, I've given them a kind of in case of emergency break glass and you get an extra thousand calories or extra 500 calories, etc. Because you've got to recognize this calorie deficit journey is not all about here's a deficit crack on see you in six months. Sometimes it's about navigating things in a smarter way than that. And what ended up happening is because she had gone from losing control every two weeks because of the deficit, you know, and obviously a myriad of other factors. She then found herself in a position where she got to that refeed day. She got to that higher calorie day and she went, I don't want it. I just, now, I, now I'm kind of allowed it. It's, there's not this pressure anymore. So I'm good. And what this led to was her, in actual fact, reducing the frequency of her binges. And this is what I've written down basically as my next note for this next kind of section. And that's focus on reduction rather than removal. So many times we can focus on, let's just get rid of binging. Let's stop you binging. Binging is bad. But firstly, a large amount of calories isn't bad, folks. It's okay to lose control from time to time. What the fuck is Christmas Day if not a day where we lose control of our eating habits? What the fuck is your birthday if not a day where we lose control, you know? What is that Sunday when it's a barbecue and you've got friends over and you're just picking all day long? What is that if not losing control? Or, to put that in a better term, what is that if not being not being in control? What we need to recognize is that we can't be in control all of the time. We can't be ruthlessly mindful all of the time because we're human and food's amazing. And sometimes we want to pig the fuck out. And it's okay to do that. So with this particular woman, I was like, right, instead of like trying to remove the binge, why don't we embrace the binge? Why don't we provoke the binge? And by facing that demon... And by going, I'm actually okay with you being in my life instead of trying to slay you and rid you from my life. In actual fact, what happened was she reduced not only the frequency of her binges, but she reduced the intensity. So what ended up happening is she went from binging every couple of weeks to then every four weeks, then every six weeks, then every 12 weeks. The binges still happen. She still loses control from time to time, but let's take 12 weeks as a good example. 12 weeks, three months, right? There's only 12 months in the year. So she's gone from binging, what, 26 times a year to four. Four times a year, she actually loses control with regards to binge. And even then, the intensity isn't as great either because she's able to catch herself. Now, if you lose control for four days of the year, but for the other 361 days, you're in control and you're mindful. What do you think the end of the year is going to look like with regards to your progress? What have you spent the majority of the time doing? 
And this is where it's so easy to get lost in the moment of the binge, in the, I don't want to say euphoria, because euphoria is usually associated with something that brings you joy. But it's easy to get wrapped up in the emotion of the binge. But in actual fact, when you look at the caloric impact that a binge actually has, and when you look at the behavior itself, and you begin to recognize that it isn't necessarily an evil thing, it's not something you have to eradicate, we all binge, you know. When you actually begin to, instead of turning away from the binge and trying to rid it from your life, when you actually turn towards it and go, come on then, give us a big old hug, you're welcome to stay. What actually happens is the frequency reduces. When you give yourself permission, the frequency reduces. We are all naughty little kids, you know. If I put a little red button in front of you and said, right, minute, do me a favor, don't push that button, you're going to push it. If I say to you guys right now, don't think about a sheep, right now, man, it's jumping through your head. Our brains will always do what we're told not to do. Even when it's like a police sale, if you go past an accident on the motorway, don't rub a neck, you know, because it will slow the flow of traffic and it's dangerous. What do we do every time we see an incident on the motorway? We fucking slow down and our heads are cranked to the left or right hand side and we're like, oh, what's going on here? And you, you become a fucking crash analysis or analyst. Analyst? Analyst. That one. <laughs> and fucking, you know what I mean. So... The human brain is a really, really funny thing. If you really are struggling to make sense of the binge and the frequency is high and the intensity is high, as in the amount of calories that are consumed and how often you do it, and you've tried your best to rid yourself of that issue, turn towards it. Begin to actually focus on the binge. Embrace it. Allow it into your program. With this particular lady, we actually factored in this binge into her program. We said, right, it's binge day. And because she was given permission to do it, there was no longer this holy kind of grail. There was no longer this binges on a pinnacle. It was no longer something she was afraid of happening. And because she was so afraid of it happening and because as more and more time went on, she was like, oh my God, I've not binged it. I've not binged it. What ended up happening is she built up this pressure, which then led to the binge. It became something that she feared and when she was successful over time she then began to worry that any day was going to be the day any day was coming was going to be binge day you know and the pressure mounted and mounted and mounted a bit like when you wait ages to step on the scales when you're in a calorie deficit there's the anticipation builds so like I said, sometimes it's not about removal. Sometimes it's just about reduction. But binges are very personal. You know, of course, there's many different methods you can use to try and minimize the impact of them. But the one thing I will always encourage you guys to do is to firstly be accountable. Honesty is such a lost trait nowadays where people speak their minds and where people own up and hold their hands up to their actions and so when it comes to a binge when it comes to the behavior associated with it when it comes to the calories you've consumed particularly if you're using something like my fitness pal to track your calories be accountable those calories went in and there is something to learn even from the darkest of moments you guys have heard me talk on fucking shitloads of podcasts 
in the previous 19 episodes about how much I've learned from the darkest moments in my life. There is no such thing as a truly wasted experience, no matter how traumatic or devastating. There is something to take away from every experience you ever have. And thus the same goes to binges. There is something to take away from every moment like that. Every binge you have, there is something to learn. But you can't learn into accepting the fact that it happened. You can't learn anything until you finally hold your hands up and go, yep, it happened. Now let's have a look. Let, firstly, let's have a look at the data. Let's track as much as I can. What was the experience? You know, Where was I? Who was I with? What was I feeling at the time? What had I gone through that day? What did my eating habits that day look like? What led to that moment? Always self-reflect. Always self-review. And trust me, that's how you beat this thing. It's not always about removal. Sometimes it's about reduction, like I said. But you don't beat it by hiding from it. Because if you lock a demon in a cupboard, there's still a fucking demon in your cupboard. But if you let it out, and you deal with it, either by slaying it or learning to live with it as part of your life, I promise you, not only will you be more content, but the issues that it caused you previously will fade. Folks, thank you for listening. That was episode 20, and I will see you guys on episode 21 when we're going to continue this conversation and go more in-depth with regards to comfort eating and emotional eating all linked, I suppose, to this topic too. But like I said, thank you guys for tuning in. This is quite a poignant podcast. And like I said, some of it will resonate with you, some of it won't. But of course, your feedback is always welcome, both good, bad, ugly, constructive, whatever the fuck you want to say. Find me on Instagram, at Chris Moyes. You can find me on Facebook, at Chris Moyes Fitness. There'll be a post for this podcast. um, So look out for that one. Um, and like I said, comment in the comment section of those posts because then everyone gets to see the comment. Or if you're not comfortable doing that, by all means, drop me a private DM, be it on Instagram or on Facebook, and let me know your thoughts. Uh, or failing that, even better, you could jump on podcasts and give this podcast a review. I'd love more people that I aren't, I'm not coming into contact with, you know, people overseas, other people in the UK. I would love them to come across this podcast and get something from it. I don't sit here for half an hour every week talking to myself for no reason this is for you guys this is to help you guys okay and this is to help people that aren't just paying for my services this is to help people that need help it's why i'm in this industry it's why i do the job that i do because i love helping you guys and i really hope these do see you on episode 21